The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com. Hello and welcome to the RTE Rugby Podcast. I'm Michael Glennon and I'm joined on the panel today by two-time Six Nations winner Fiona Hayes and former Ireland head coach Eddie O'Sullivan. How are you doing today, guys? Hope it's nice and sunny wherever you are in the world. Changeable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fab in Cork, Fab in Cork anyway. Very good. It's nice enough in here in the Midlands as well. We've got a good bit to get through today and we'll look at the Heineken Champions Cup a bit later on, but we're going to start off with the TikTok Six uh, women's six nations. Um, it was said here, there, and everywhere that this was a must-win game. Fiona, um, I kind of get the feeling with what's to come, Ireland probably would have taken a win of any description. But we actually got a bit more. We got a perform- much improved performance and a, a bonus point win with uh, four tries, twenty-nine eight. 29-8, that's it, Michael. It was um, definitely, uh, I thought the second half in particular was was exciting rugby. I thought the, the girls let loose. There was some good tries. I think they, the first half, they kind of felt their way through the game. There was a bit, uh, there was errors. But uh, um, for me, the most exciting thing about the whole thing was uh, that uh, scrum looked uh, well and truly solid. They looked, um, I know John Fogarty had been in with them um, during the week because Rob Sweeney was away, the scrum coach, and it just looked like the, the together the tightness that it, it, it really it bodes well going into against an English scrum that are absolutely dominating teams yeah I mean it'll go up another level as well Eddie what did you make of the improvement was it was it very visible from a coach's point of view of of things coming together in terms of set pieces and a reduction in handling errors as well yeah I think it was a much better performance no question about that and, and the dividends were on the scoreboard um, like we said last week um, that the bottom line would be here that they could do nothing unless the set piece got sorted out, you know, and the scrum had been a bugbear for them. So once they got a better platform, you know, to play off of, I think that that's a big factor. Um, and I think you saw the results of that. And um, also, I think once they, they they kind of got a bit of daylight to themselves in Italy, they were a bit, you know, there was a lot of pressure on them going in. Like going to a, a must-win game is uh, is a lot of pressure, you know, like how you dice it. And it was must win, we said it as well, you know, if, they, if, they, if they'd lost Italy, it would be very grim for them for the rest of the championship. And they could talk about that again if you want to. But so for that reason, the combination of pressure, um, I think once they got kind of a bit of daylight uh, in the second half, you saw them relaxing and they played much better. And that's not unusual, but it's good to see that because that just feeds their confidence in terms of what they're doing, you know. Um, and it, it's just a kind of a confirmation that they're, they're happy with what they're trying to do. And when they get a bit of time on the ball and they cut down the errors, they, they execute well. So it's a, it's a massive shot in the arm in terms of their confidence. Even no matter what happens at the back end of the championship, because there's other factors at play here, mm-hmm. um, they've had a really good performance. They've done a really good job in putting an Italian team. You know, who, who if, if you got it wrong against City, they would beat them. We know that. There, wasn't, there was no gimme by any stretch. So I think that's a real, a real plus for them. Fiona, it was certainly no gimme, and Ireland have, have always had good tussles with Italy in the past and their pack. Could you um, identify some of the technical issues that were better in the scrum in terms of front row or cohesion? Um, what did you see there as a former prop? Yeah, I think that what I saw definitely was the cohesion issue. Um, I noticed in the previous game against France, there was a slight split in the second row as a time which can add pressure to that front row. The biggest thing that I saw was height change. I had highlighted a couple of clips before and looking at it and Linda seemed to be slightly, um, Dujan seemed to be slightly higher, which in, in turn brought up Neve Jones and probably Katie Dwyer at the time. 
but you have to you have to compliment Hani as well uh tight head that came in she was absolutely solid you could see the Italian were targeting that area but she held the pressure and I think that's when Ireland got that dominance they sinked a bit lower their setup looked really nice there as I said they they were far more cohesive the second rows you could see the power coming through we didn't see that before I, from that split in the second rows you could see the the power coming through and because they were so low their leg drive gave them dominance at times and they won quite a few penalties as well which probably there was advantage and the ref and they played on to that but I, I, I would think they would go away really happy from that and it was just simple little things that they fixed height um, how they probably binded another thing that I lo- I noticed as well was the bind was much tighter from both props as well which locked down the arms and it gave the Italians no room to come and attack Ireland yeah no actually and Christy Haney was a first start as well it was great mm. I, I noticed that maybe the the most delight of, from the tries was Neve Jones try so she put the ball into the line out Ireland worked, caught the ball which was uh, you know which is a big thing because they struggled um, the last day with that and drove on through and it was a try like we've seen Cleena Maloney get in the, in the past as well and if there was some criticism of Neil Jones it was the, the set piece so I mean you could see that that was a big goal they were working on and it was great for them to come off for, for yeah. it to come off yeah, Michael, and you know what as well? Like if you looked at a lot of the linings, they were very simple, basic things. They got in. We we spoke, I spoke about that before, that if the movement wasn't working out, you need to be quick. You need to be quick up the ground. You go in, you don't put pressure on your hooker and you try and get up the front. And I think that's where they got a lot of change. It might have to change against England because they will be quite dominant in reading the lineups that we saw from, from that game. But Neve Jones under savage pressure media everyone talking about Kleena Maloney you know um, but what we don't understand about Neve Jones is although sometimes you know at the set piece it mightn't be her fault it might be the lifts were off or whatever but her dominant tackles throughout the game were yeah. absolutely immense and she's been like that from the start of the campaign we've looked at her set piece but we haven't looked at her work rate around the pitch and she's impressed me she's a she's a quiet girl she just goes about her business she'd never tell you that she's got the best throw she knows she's constantly working on that and, and working on her set piece and uh, you could see the team they're absolutely delighted for yeah. her and that, and that's what you want you know that they know they can hear the outside noise they don't care and she went out and put out that big performance and I'm absolutely delighted for her as well and um, Eddie we know Greg McWilliams um, he what the project he has taken on and he, he's decided on this mantra in Ninarka Curla Kele, there's no strength without unity. I wonder how much that will be tested now because whatever, it's nobody's fault or whatever, this is the way the system is, but we will have now, I mean, a good chunk of the team departing to play a sevens tournament. And, you know, that, that that's divisive just by itself. You know, it's, it's inherently divisive that you lose a lot of your players. I don't know if it's a poorly thought out mantra because... You can't really sell it after this. You know, how do you say it really with a straight face? Um, how do you, if, if this is what happens, if we lose or if they, they lose some players over to the Canada tournament, how do you see the game playing out with more inexperienced players going over to this England team that are on when won 20, 21 matches over to Welford Road? Um, what's the best that can be achieved? Um. I think they've got to focus on their own performance. I mean, the notion that they're going to lose, uh, you know, a number of players, key players, and then they're going to go away from home against England and, you know, they're going to win. Uh, you've got to be realistic about it. I don't see that happening. You know, um, it will be a massive shock for it to beat England next week in the circumstances. 
So what you do in those situations is you, you, you stay focused on yourself. You know, it's about what Ireland can do next weekend about their own performance. It's the old thing we, you know, what can Ireland control is to control their own performance. Now, for me, that what if I'm playing a team away from home that are stronger than me and there's a good chance if they hit, hit the straps, it could be an ugly day out. The most important thing is your defence. You know, it's the, it's the old mantra of Bill Shankly. It starts at nil all, don't get any worse, you know. Uh, now, so defence is going to be key for them. And, and I would say most of the time this week, they're going to spend a lot of time on defence. And they may change up their defence. You know, you might throw something, a curveball in there against England. You might go blitz on them sometimes and you might go drift. So they're not sure what's coming at them. So you, <coughs> excuse me, in those situations, you have to throw a bit of a curveball at a team that are, are, are feel are superior to you. Is and, that realistic, Eddie? I mean, can, can you yeah, implement that in a week's course. training with new, new personnel? Yeah, absolutely. That's for coaches are for. Yeah. You know, you, you spend some time in it and you prioritize that. Um, and you there's certain things that you may not you may not contest a rock because how many rocks are you going to win over 80 minutes against England? Unless you're 100 percent fire sure you're going to get on the ball and get a penalty, let him have it and be in the line. And one or two extra defenders in a defensive line is massive. Yeah. People don't appreciate that. If you put two people into a rock, that puts a lot of stress in your defensive line. And if that ball comes on quick, you're in big trouble. So things, small things like that. So not get into a whole diatribe on defence, but that's really what it's about. It's having a strategy that's going to upset England when they have the ball, if you can. And that could be change your defensive line speed. And that depends how many people you contest at the rock or whether you bother at all. Or you just build the line and get off the line. So the other thing is you go back to, to said, a set piece. They've got to build on their set piece. The scrum is going to come under more pressure this week. No question about it. But the foundation last week was that if you go back to the stability of the scrum, is that the props were able to take the pressure that was coming at them, and that gave the second rows a platform to push on, and that meant the back rows could lock in the second rows, and suddenly it's a functioning scrum. You know, So you might come under pressure on their ball, as you said, we have to find our own ball, secure your own ball, and that might be quick channel one ball away. You know, stuff like that, that you know you're going to come under pressure. You say, right, this week we're not going to keep the ball in the scrum because if we get the ball stuck in the second row and they get a secondary drive, it could be very, very difficult for our frontals. So we're talking about like three-second scrums. Once the big, once we engage, ball goes in, ball away. So stuff like that gives you stuff that you could focus on in the game. And maybe a couple of scrums go wrong and you circle and say, hold on a minute, let's go back to what we said we do here. So there are the things you can fix. And then when you have the ball, you're going to come under more pressure from the defensive line. We saw the mistakes that we that we had against against France. So maybe dial down what we're trying to do with the ball. You know, take pressure off players, give them a, give them some simpler rolling players, and make sure we keep the ball. The one thing for sure is that we have the ball, England can score. So they're the kind of things you look at in terms of building a game plan against a team that are nailed on to, to beat you. And then maybe after 20 minutes, they're not pulling away, or after 30 minutes, or half time you're still in the game. And it goes into the second half, and then the dynamics change. So that's how you got to approach those games. I mean, I've faced that when you're going away to play the All Blacks in New Zealand. You know, you've got to go through these processes in the build-up to those games because they're different challenges. Yeah. And you're looking to overturn a team that's, that's rated higher than you. So that's where you start. And it comes back, as John said, to the nuts and bolts of not throwing two people into a rock that's ending. And then yeah. your defensive line is, is, is skinny. So it, it's, a, it's a tough week's work, but it's yeah. a fantastic challenge because if they manage to put together a game plan that delivers that sort of traction in the game, and even if they lose, they look back and say, that was a great performance. We set out our stall here. We said we do A, B, C, and D, and we pretty much got it done. 
And we still lost, but that's a huge builder block to the next game. So that's how you develop teams in going forward. It, it's, it's these steps you take, even under when you're, you know the result is going against you. And that, to me, is the key of terms of now. Now you have that buy-in you talked about, that coming together, right, of the, or whoever's on the field. Yeah. There's no point in complaining about the people who aren't there. Yeah. But the people in the field are buying into the way of doing this, and this is the next challenge against England. So that, to me, is the whole mechanics and dynamics and psychology around it. Fiona, when, when Eddie's talking there about the Rook uh, discipline and that I'm wondering if they lose the voices that they have because you can hear Stacey Flood on the field and Dirty Wall is not shy and retiring as well if she goes. Do the people who come in, I mean, it's very important that they see that early, they identify it, but they have to have a communication skill. Do you think what's coming as backup or Nicole Cronin or um, if Catherine Dane says, or do you think they will be able to take that over? Because the, the communication is... It stops people having to make tackles if you if there's if they're closing gaps. I mean that's a vital part of it. Starting off, is that there in the backup? Yeah, Michael. So it, like Greg has been really clever in what he's done as well. So we saw him integrate Catherine Day in, and we saw Hannah O'Connor start this um, in the last game. They would be two leaders on that team. They would be quite vocal. We saw them get in. I'd imagine Darty will stay. I, I, I think it will be um, more the back line will be depleted. Um, I thought Catherine Day was excellent. So he, he's got them in. He got Avian Riley her game. She probably will go away now. He's got Catherine Day back in there. You've Enya Breen, who's been on the bench, who'll come into centre. I think that. I think they're quite vocal and Eddie spoke about that I watched the England Wales game you know and and England didn't know what to do for the first 25 minutes because Wales slowed down their ball they made absolute crap of their rocks they got in there and the Welsh do that it was a different system than we'd seen them play against Ireland but they literally got in there and slowed the ball so Eddie talked about that but it's about changing that up then because as the game went on obviously England dealt with that and, and they pulled away in the scoreboard so if Ireland can get in slow down ball maybe change their defensive system use the blitz fan out leave it so it, it's trying to learn all those roles and there's definitely the voices in there. Hannah O'Connor mightn't be loud, but she's very capable of spurring everyone on. Nicole Cronin is like a terrier at her foot, barking away. You, you can hear her roaring in that lovely Limerick accent. So they've got everyone there. And it's just, and he's kind of integrated correctly. It's how he's dealt with the likes of Amber Constantine. I'm, I'm very curious to see going into this game, she would probably have to start but she was dropped completely after 23. Mm. So so in in his coaching skills, we'll see if she can come out and be confident in player. If she's not, you know, then, then he'll probably have to look at what he's going to do when these sevens are going because it is always probably going to happen for the next couple of years because we haven't got the player base and it yeah. just is what it is. But it, it, it's very interesting to see because I thought um, I thought Bevan looked a bit depleted, Bevin, on, uh, in the game. Um, her confidence was low. Um, she wasn't the player we've seen. That could be on the back of injury, but I'd love to see her stay. I'd love to see her yeah. stay and get those 15s games, whether that happens or not. I don't know, but it, it's interesting to see how all these dynamics come together. Yeah, I, I normally throw out a crazy suggestion in these podcasts, but it's a World Cup year for the Sevens. Is there any suggestion maybe that Aidan McNulty could expand his player base by bringing up some of the underage players, sending them to Canada? getting them the experience that they will need later on for more vital qualifications, keeping Bavin, keeping Stacey. You need a, 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 the boot of Stacey, I would say, in Twig, sorry, in Welford Road that would really bolster th that. Is that a crazy thing that I know these are contracted players, the tournament, you could fly them out a day later. I mean, because <laughs> the, the, the tournament is not in until the, the Scottish weekend. I know they, they need yeah. the preparation. Is that a crazy thing that 
doesn't make any sense. Michael, that's absolutely crazy. <laughs> no, no, of course it is because we love the game of 15s. They're contracted to seven, so that's their priority. Yeah. I agree with you. I think the likes of Stacey and Lucy would probably have to stick with that um, sevens just to get the younger players, but maybe less going over, maybe holding on to a few here and you get um, the, the younger. There's there's a lot of sevens girls um, up training, getting them some game time. But I'm sure they've talked about that. Aidan McNulty has been doing really well. Um, we saw the sevens girls, so I'm sure they've discussed that and and they'd be looking to win these competitions as well. So he wants his best team going forward as well. So it's a, it's a battle for these uh, talented little players. Yeah, and an honourable mention to the men's sevens in Singapore, actually, like really heartbreaking stuff. It was a try with 30 seconds to go and a try then a couple of, a minute and a half into uh, added time. Really hard luck, but it was a great performance to beat Fiji for the first time. So we just honourable mention to those guys and uh, they'll obviously have more games coming up. We're going to turn to the Champions Cup and we'll just bring in the Graham Rowntree news because it was confirmed yesterday that Graham Rowntree would be taking over from Johan van Graan at the end of the season with Munster. Um, it was kind of a protracted uh, you know, scenario where it'd been a long time coming, it had dragged on and on. Eddie, would you read much into that? Do you think Munster had their eye on a, on a bigger name and couldn't get it over the line for some reason. And that's why, is it settling with Graham Rountree? Even though I believe he's very popular down there and I, you know, he has great experience and is well regarded. Hard to know for sure, but yeah. I think the giveaway, I think he got a two-year contract, uh, was it, I think it was earlier or late last year. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that kind of put him in the driving seat, really. I mean, I thought that was the, the tip that he was going to take over. And then it dragged on so long, you got to wonder well, what's going on here. Like, yeah. if, if like they kind of showed their hand uh, that by, by reappointing him, they're obviously very happy with Graham. And I know he's very popular. He's kind of uh, he appeals to players because he's a he's a he's an he's an old school type of guy. Yeah. So he's approachable and he he's uh, and he seems to like Limerick. He seems to to bed it in there. Uh, so I think maybe this was the plan all along. But what I am confused about, and you're right, is how why it was so agonizingly slow and dragged out. In getting there, um, I don't understand that. But the bottom line is, no, it's a stone, which is a good thing that it's done. Um, now you can look at his appointment. Um, it's kind of a, it's a potential double-edged sword. Like if you look at it, you have to say he's got a lot of experience. He knows Monster. He knows Limerick. He knows the players. And that's somebody. There's not going to be no uh, sweep and change in terms of you know a new brush with and clean. Uh, like he's he's well known. Uh, the advantage of that is he knows the problems there. He knows the system. He knows how it works. That's the upside. The other side of that is that for next season, he has to find some way of moving the dial very quickly. Mm. You know, he's not going to have a honeymoon period. Uh, like there's no honeymoon for him, which is a fact of life. And he knows that. Like if you come in new uh, from nowhere, people say, well, you got to give the guy six months to bed in and get his, and their first season is almost a kind of a let's suck it and see what happens, you know. But I think for, for Graham, it's going to be, he's going to have to hit the ground running. Um, and he's going to have to find a way to, to change the dynamics and move the dial. Like if we get to Christmas next year or, or this year and Munster haven't changed, has that been a big shift in the way they're doing their business? He will come under a lot of pressure because people want to see an adjustment to how Munster carry out their business, you know. I mean, like, let's be honest that the attack is the, is the big one at the moment that everyone's given out about. Um if you look at, like, we talked last week about getting beaten 4-1 in terms of tries in Town Park, it's, it's dreadful. Um, 
And then even last week over Mexico, like they got a great result at the end, but it was based on the fact that effectively Exeter self-imploded at home. Like Exeter blew, I would say definitely three tries they blew and they could add another couple. And that would have made a very ugly scoreline. And then they, they doubled down with two silly, insane yellow cards. And that was the window Munster had to really make a statement. But Munster didn't really make a statement. No, 5-3, they outscored them against 13 yeah, men. Yeah, so 5 that's And that five-pointer nearly went the other way for seven. Like, it was yeah. a... Henry Slade went for intercept and didn't get mm-hmm. it. If he picked that off, it was Sayonara, you know? So, like, they, the big problem is, like, and I don't I don't see the monster attack changing by next week, by next weekend either, you know? Like, no. it, it is what it is for the moment. So, in the context of where... I'm bringing this back to the context of Graham Rowntree taking over. He's got to find a way... That next year when Munster run out at the start of the season, there's an obvious difference in the way they're doing their business when they have the ball in their hands, you know. No, he's got to have a vision for that. He's got to know what he wants. He's the head coach. He's got to decide this is how we're going to do it. And then he's got to find somebody who's sympathetic with his philosophy and get that person as an attack coach, implement that. And the players have to buy in as well. Who's out there, Eddie? Who's out there? I mean, Mike Prendergast was linked before. Yeah. And, I mean, he's over in France now. I don't know his scenario there, but is it too late to get him in? Or, like, who's out there that... It's not too late. I mean, it's not too late for anything because they don't have to arrive until, uh, you know, the end of the season. Yeah. There is this window. But whether he can get Prendy back from, from, from uh, Rasting is another thing. Because Prendy is doing a really great job there. Yeah. And Rasting are playing really well. Like, Rasting won't want to let him go. And he's still in contract. So it's not as simple as giving Prendy a call and he hops on the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, there's a lot of moving parts there. So I don't know if that's possible. Even if Prendy wanted to come, he might be able to get out of his contract. That's just yeah. the business of sport. It's hard to know. You don't you, you don't you don't need a huge name. You need no you need to find somebody who has a philosophy that's going to the players are going to buy into and that's going to change move the dial from and, and Graham has got to be his own view as well of what that looks like. He's the head coach. Yeah, like you know, you can't bring in a guy and say, "Well, what do you think yourself?" Have a run there and see what happens. You know, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. But he's got to have his own vision for what he wants. So he has a bit of time, though. That's the key thing, you know. Um, and I, I think whatever happens this this season, Munster aren't going to change their color in terms of no. how they attack. And it's been a bugbear not just this season, but for a number of years. Yeah, I flagged yeah. this to start of the season that Munster are fantastic from from fifteen meters out. You know, and they are. I'm not yeah, just. Yeah. I'm not being facetious. They're incredible strike rate if they get in. To, if they get 10 metres from your goal line, they're going to get you. Yeah. Uh, nine times out of 10. But their problem is they can't get there unless you give away penalties. Yes, yes, And, yes. and, and if you give away penalties, and if Exeter gets sloppy next weekend uh, in, in Thorne Park and they give Monster uh, entry to the kill zone, they'll kill him. Yeah. But I, 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 that's another discussion next weekend. But I think that's the Graham Rowntree discussion from my point of view. And, and Fionn, Eddie touched on it there about the amount of chances that Exeter had. And I would say that over in this part of the world, we're very used to seeing various teams like Munster, Leinster especially, and Ireland getting into the 22 and coming away with scores. And yeah, as Eddie said, three or four times uh, for various reasons, knock-ons, offsides, uh, off their feet at the rook, Exeter blew a chance to, to put that tied to bed it could have been 15 20 points and you take Keith Earl's tackle at the end into mm. account as well um so again they could have lost by 20 points and again they probably should have won by 
a score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, that's what that's what the game is about, isn't it? You know, we 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 look at that. I, I followed Exeter over. You know, they started the season badly in England. They've they've come into their own. I thought they've been quite good in the last few few games. But you you have to you have to you know uh, pat the back of the Munster players, the likes of Murray, Jack O'Donoghue, Keith Earls tackle. I mean, that's the pressure they're doing. They went in. They didn't go in as favourites. You know, they had a last minute change of Zebo, Dermot Barron. There was a load of stuff gone wrong, and you don't obviously blame that because you've coach and staff and you should have enough players to come in and be able to take over the gauntlet but I just thought Munster's grit determination which we've never doubted that they have I thought it was quite exceptional very unusual from for for Exeter they, they would be very disappointed we know Rob Baxter spoke after the game he wasn't happy with that performance so I would imagine they're coming home coming over to Toman Park they're, they're going to be far more physical they're going to be clinical um I think you know I think we have to take our hat, hat off to Hodnett as well I thought he'd done immense work yeah, around yeah. around the breakdown so you had guys like coming into their own character was questioned after that Leinster game you know they they didn't they didn't feel good after it you know and and, and you could see that and how they played. They held it together. They stayed in the game. You might argue they should have won it with the 13 men. When we went wide, it was probably too late. Got knocked back, maybe 10 meter. Eddie spoke about that 10 meter zone. It was probably not classic monster at times in that area, whereas they should have maybe gone wide sooner when the space was there, when it was down to 13 men. But they'll go back and review it. And you know what? Toman Park is a fortress. So I think we will see a different uh, a different style. Attacking wise, I don't know. But um, players are starting to play and hopefully we'll see it now in, the, in this game at Toman Park because it's the chance of getting into European Cup. This is what you want to be. Yeah. This is where you want to be playing. You don't want to be knocked out in these early stages. So I think there's, we will um, see. Yeah. There's a couple of things I would wor- worry about next weekend. And you touched there with, um, if you know about Rob Baxter. Like, I, I think he's a fantastic coach, Baxter. And the one thing he's created in Exeter is, is an incredible um, culture around the team. Like, they're a no nonsense team, Exeter, you know. Um, and they they won't be intimidated in Tom Park. I think. I think. I think they'll be they'll be kicking themselves for last weekend, and they'll come to Tom Park with a mission that they kind of let themselves down last week. And this is a place to put it right. So I, I worry about that. That these guys are not going to be intimidated on or off the field. And um, the second thing is that worry me monsters. Monster look very vulnerable defensively in the outside channels. Like, um, and I don't want to blame Chris Farrell for this, but he's struggling at the moment. Now, a lot of the problems is what's happening inside him. People are, players are getting locked in on, on defenders and they're not able to turn their shoulders and get out. He's kind of left like on his own in the outside channel. We saw Leinster do it to him and we yeah. saw Exeter do it to him last week. So that's a, a work on that Monster yeah. have to fix this week because Leinster or Exeter are still yeah. going to do what, what worked for Exeter last week. They're going to do it again this week. And that's a lot of starter plays off the top. Uh, and, and 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 really hard hard running lines on the inside chance and seeking you make the read as to what to turn your shoulders or bite down. Yeah. And Munster got that wrong a lot of the time. And that's where the chances came for Exeter and they blew them. So Exeter are going to run that game plan pretty much again and just try and be more clinical. And Munster had to figure out defensively, uh, particularly off some of the start of us, mm-hmm. how they're going to get the numbers right and get people able to fill channels. And that's the two things worry me, that like Exeter can burn you from 50 metres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with Hogg in that outside channel. If he gets free at all, like he's serious gas. Um, so they can score seven pointers in 50 meters. Um, if they get a couple of those under their belt on Saturday, geez, that's a heavy hill to climb. And and you won't roll Exeter over because they're just not one of those teams that gets they actually embrace the intimidation. Yeah. And, and that's Eddie, the thing that worries Eddie. me. 
Eddie, is that fixable? Like, because we've seen Farrell in the last couple of games and he's getting turned in. They're very narrow. Yeah. Is that defensive? Is that how Munster are playing or is that him reading things wrong? Like, is that fixable in, in, in a week, say? And I don't want to hang around his neck, but I've always said the 13th position is the most difficult position in the field to defend because mm. you make a lot of key decisions. And a lot of it happens. You can't go, turn out and go unless the people inside yeah. you're giving the push. So I think they need to figure out what, how they want to defend mm-hmm. as a unit. That unit seems disjointed. There seems to be a lack of co- a cohesion, a lack of communication. And with that comes a lack of confidence. You know, when, when you get opened up, there's nothing worse in the middle of the field as centre or uh, getting opened up three or four times. You go, well, you know, that's, that's a real blow to our confidence and we yeah. don't back ourselves. So it's very fixable because a lot of the players are still not, they're similar players. They're those players which... Run hard runners on the inside channels, but go out mm-hmm. the back, or there's a wrap around. Yeah. And you really have to be smart. They're not easy to defend. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is, but at this level, you've got to start fixing that. No, I was again, you know, going back to the, the preparation for the Irish women's team in England. This week will be a major factor. Will be that midfield working as a unit, rep after rep after rep, and throwing different looks at them and trying to get them to make the right decisions at the key moments because they're. they're their last second decisions when that the pass is made, whether you hit up or you turn out, but they're absolutely crucial. And at that level, with, with serious gas that they have in the outside channels uh, with Exeter, you're going to pay a price. So that's very fixable, but it's 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 not an easy fix, but it, it has to be dealt with. They're going to be boosted, hopefully, by if they can get Peter Manny back and Joey Carberry and Simon Zebo might come in. Like he's such a, he's experienced as well, and he likes these he likes these European games. So hopefully, just a quick word on that. Which way do you think it would go? Who would you favour in that one, Eddie and Fiona, to go through? I'm going to say Munster. I can't yeah. not say right, Munster. Fiona, I'll, I'll move on <laughs> that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Super um, <laughs> yeah I, I I'd like I want to say Munster as well, but I've yeah. a lingering concern that Exeter are hurting from last week and they want to make a point. Yeah. But I think with 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 someone like Omeheni back uh, and especially Zebo, who's an, infor- an incredible striker, you know, if, if Zebo gets a shot, he'll score. Yeah. And they're they're the game changing moment. So I think yeah, I, I'm leaning I'm leaning cautiously towards Monster like, but I I, we, I am worried about extra. It's not they're one of the teams you that, that you don't want to mess with. And we mm. kind of we've poked the bear last week. Yeah. But it is Fiona's right, it is Tom and Park, you know, it's it's a very hard place to come. Most enjoyable game of the weekend for me, anyway, was Ulster Toulouse. Um, Ulster went over there. They've already beaten Claremont over there this season. They're, they're, they're starting to walk the walk after a couple of seasons of talking to talk. Vermeulen doesn't hurt in there and how he binds the team together without scoring the tries or making these spectacular plays. You can just see the, the influence he's having on them. I would have thought if... The Ravenhill factor means that if Ulster went to Toulouse and came away with a draw or just even one score in, they would have fancied themselves back in to in in Belfast. But there's a little bit of regret that they let in the late try. But I mean, it's still a, a stunning performance, actually, 26-20 against Toulouse. I know they went down to 14 players early on, but that's their fault uh, at the end of the day as well. Um, there's a factor on Michael. There's a factor. It is a factor, but I mean, it was, a stupid, it was a stupid. If, if you're a player, it was one of the stupidest. Oh, yeah, I'm not defending counts. the guy. It was, a, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a ridiculous play, but like the fact is, like to lose, I keep saying to people, a red card after 10 yeah. minutes is like playing with seven yellow cards in a row. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. it is a massive. No, I would just to, to go back where you were, you're 100% right. If you said to Dan McFarland, You'll come back to you'll come back to uh, Belfast and you'll you'll be leading, you know, at halftime. Yeah, you'll be yeah, leading yeah. at halftime, and I think that's it. I think Ulster will get this done. 
Yeah. Like, and if they don't, they'll probably kick themselves because, you know, it's a dream position for them. How they got the dream position is a different discussion, by the way. Yeah. You know, and, and but it, the, the, where they are is, is where they want to be. And they, I don't think they'll look, give Torsten them out. They'll just take this on. Raven Hill is very difficult. Let's be rocking. And I, I back them to do this. Yeah. And I see, the, you know, there's some injury issues as well now in Toulouse. Um, uh, so, I, I, you know, they might come as fully loaded as they were last week. Yeah. But anyway, but the game itself, let's be honest, um, it was a great game, but they were very lucky, again, to get the result. Um, and I have to I, I really thought Toulouse played fantastic rugby at times, yeah. you know, when they'd only 14 men. Like, they created overlaps. Like, creating overlaps of 14 <laughs> men in the modern game is really, really difficult to do. And it came down to... Um, you know, an intercept pass, you know, um, and he didn't have to throw it. You know, he could he, he could have hit Entomac and Ulster were in a world of trouble if he hit Entomac, but he went for the long pass and, and it got picked off by Balakoon, who, you know, there was a case that he was a, he was after sneaking offside, but look, that's the way it works. So, like, it was that tight, you yeah. know, and, and it was a funny game for that reason, but the bottom line is, at the end of it all, and I, I, I think Ulster did a great job getting the result, but I think they were lucky that the red card had a major factor in it. But having said that, they're in a great place. Yeah. So they're not going to They'll never look at gift horse in the mouth. They've got the break. They took advantage. They're home. They have a lead at home. And I think if they let it slip now, they'll, they'll be kicking themselves for a long time. Uh, Fiona, that, that Antoine Dupont guy, he blocked down, threw an intercept, knocked the ball on. Um, I'm just wondering, because there was a lot of talk about how many of the Toulouse players went off to the French camp. That, there's an emotional toll there as well. I mean, it's not easy to get over the line, do the Grand Slam. It's great and it's a great boost, but it also must take something out of it. You can see that they're, they're not flying in the top 14. And yeah. if, it, you know, if it comes to it, the French teams are, are not... I know Toulouse have a great European tradition, but they still love their, their top 14. And it's much of a muchness. It can be much of a muchness. And what was your takeaway from that match? And do you think that... that Belfast will be a deciding factor or a telling factor. I think so. I think Ulster have made Raven Hill a, a big, a, like a, a place, a hard place to go this year, especially in Europe. We've seen them. Um, they're going to be confident. They could have lost it right at the death as well. You know, there was a, a beautiful break from the 22 and uh, the sub scrum half, I think, knocked it on at the base. So, so look, um, Toulouse came off, they were typical French, you know, even in the press conference, DuPont was given out after, still about the offside or whatever. So yeah, they're, yeah. they've got, they, they're going to feel aggrieved as well, you know, um, they, they didn't seem too happy. There was no praise for Ulster. I think um, Ulster ha- can fix a lot of things as well. Um, I did 35 missed tackles, would you believe, in that game and uh, like uh, lost four lineouts. So, so they have things that they can tighten up as well. I thought the pack were immense at times. I thought the power of Vermeulen, you know, is 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 just a, a monster in there but for me I just thought McCluskey and Hume that combination is working really really well for Ulster yeah. you know um, Burns is putting him into space I think Hume is really getting McCluskey into these places and we, and we see how they like to attack and they were they were excited when they attacked be it a man down or not Um, I think Ulster are obviously are six points ahead to lose are going to come over feel aggrieved and they're going to put everything into it but Ulster at home are very, very hard. And these and this is a team that's really playing some nice rugby. And I think I think they will come away with the win. I think it'll be a very close game, but I think they will get that win. 
Yeah, and it was nice to hear a bit of bitching from Toulouse and her fans as well, like just the booing and the whistling over the red card, which was ridiculous. And then the intercept, that was, I mean, it, it was very close either way. You know, you couldn't say no, he was not really nice. outside. Yeah, I, I, I thought they were actually giving out because when I was watching it live, because the guy was on the ground, was near the pass as well. But you wouldn't know. I know they were looking at offside, but there was a guy down, a Toulouse guy down injured. Yeah. So, but he still threw the pass. Game yeah. on. <laughs> Robert Balakun didn't help himself by nearly slowing down. I suppose yeah. he can afford to, if anyone can afford to. Uh, um, I think but... he, he was so shocked he thought he made a thought he was offside, but anyway. Um, yeah, we'll see. Said, you haven't said that. Like, I mean, the, the, the French are never going to be happy. Like, yeah. French French, French crowds are never happy unless yeah. they're winning, you know, and they're always going to boo the referee and they're always going to complain about everything. Every rock that should get a penalty, every yeah. tackle. Yeah. 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 No, so, that's nice just how it is there, you know. Like, and, uh, good that didn't surprise me in the least. So, but that, that's the atmosphere. Good to see they're paying attention. Um, Fiona and Eddie, do you have any tattoos of former players, former teammates, or do you have any co- players that you coached, Eddie, that you decided to get a tattoo of? Um, no, I don't have any tattoos of anything or anybody. No, my I, body's I, a temple in me hall. And you don't want to tell me about any of Fiona? No, I'd say a few have a, a tattoo of me, all right, on their yeah. toys. Although they have told me I've a, I've a face for radio, they told me, so I don't know. We actually got um, three front rows retired uh, when we left Ireland. Three of us, uh, we call ourselves Fromance, a few of us, you know, that uh, yeah. our, our silky skills. So we got we got a tattoo of uh, three triangles. That's about the extent of it. Not my face anyway, no way. Yeah, well, you can see where I'm going here. It was uh, Mac Hansen's. Is this a crazy? Is this, I thought I thought you already had your crazy question for the past. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. It's a second one now, is it? No, no. This is Mac Hansen who revealed he had a tattoo on his thigh of Hushin Dowling, would you believe? Eddie, of, of all players, of all of his teammates. Um, too much information. Too much. We showed it. it was on BT. He did a little uh, section. So I think they just started having a bit of, bit of crack and he said, if you pay for it, I get it. So the rest of his life, Mac Hansen has Oshin Dowling's uh, uh, face on his tie, and he, I suppose he's caught it for life. review that in 20 years' time. <laughs> caught it for life now. Um, so, okay, so Leinster went over there. That, they had already put 40 points on Connacht twice this season. Mm-hmm. Connacht still in the game on paper. It was easily their best showing of the year. Um, but I suppose a general feeling coming away from that game that Leinster have more room for improvement, uh, Fiona, would you say? And the Aviva, a big home crowd. I don't know how much of an advantage the Aviva would be considering Connacht give up home advantage in the sports ground earlier this year to play uh, Ulster there. So they like it. It might not be that much of a thing to be a big crowd from Connacht there as well. But uh, more room for improvement from Leinster, would you say? Yeah, definitely kicking game as well. That old Connacht wind or whatever happens down there, we could see that on on yeah. on the kicking that Johnny was Johnny's looking up face, in the yeah. air, yeah. <laughs> uh, as well as uh, getting the the stick off Jack Carty with the ref. He was looking up yeah. in the air at the wind as well. But look, um. I thought it was a very physical encounter. I thought uh, Bundy led from the front as well, tackle-wise. Leinster actually had like a 590 metres gain. So so they did get good ball, but it wasn't the usual uh, Leinster performance that we'd seen. Be it Connick's defence was much better because, you know, that's where they have been getting caught out in those wide channels. Um, their defence was much better. I would I would say it'll be a far more polished game from Leinster next time. Um, they'd beaten Munster, obviously, the week before. And 
and they didn't look as as cohesive as they usually look and this is European rugby so I would imagine in the Viva it'll be a, it'll be a different game we're looking at but you have to take your hats off to Connacht coming away five points down and um, we saw Mac Hansen John Porch their their silky feet you know they were they were just immense when they got the ball in hand there was no big hits on them they were able to move themselves around those tackles so Connacht do have that X factor it's just whether they can keep that Leinster team uh, like uh, caught in which they did for a lot of the game in Connacht but I think it will be a different ball game next week Eddie do you agree with that do you think Connacht what, what are Connacht's chances because the general consensus is Leinster will just play their game yeah. and win and they can run out 20 point winners that's a that's a logical conclusion to come yeah. to because I think Leinster uh, particularly in the first half um, they looked like one pass away four or five times from wiping out Connacht out like there was one more pass they were gone like uh, and Leinster can score from like 50 metres as well they have that capacity they can get you from pretty much anywhere Um, so I I think Connacht defended much better and they 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 scrambled very well also when they were under pressure Um, and I think they fed off the crowd like that was the crowd did bring that energy which they knew was coming and and they did they, like what Leicester looked a little bit rattled that you know those final passes weren't sticking for them, but I think the second half was probably Leinster had which they do tend to do at halftime they circled the wagons they came out were more focused but the yellow card changed the game like that yeah. energized Connacht yeah and they and they 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 really fed off that and they got the score and suddenly it was game on and I think Connacht had. Connacht turned the ball over when when Gibson Park had on the field, that, like uh, Connacht were on the goal line, and you know Leinster turned over the ball there and got out of jail. Yeah, and yeah. Connacht scored there. That might have been niche, you know, in the circumstances. Like, but I'd say Connacht would be very happy with the performance. To be fair, you know, they left it all out there, um, and I think they, they they know though that it's a monumental task because Leinster are, are going to learn as well from last yeah, week. Yeah, you know, they're going to see the things that nearly work from and fine hone them but I still think look Connacht have nothing to lose here like they mm. we all thought they were crazy going to Viva to play Ulster yeah. you know earlier this season giving up mm. the home advantage in sports ground and they gave Ulster a good kicking you know mm. uh, and, and we're talking about Ulster now being you know talk of the walk like from what they've done so there's fine margins there but I, I just think that Leinster turned team that learned from their their, their their misjudgments and I think they'll be more dialed in this week I just think it's hard to see it but I think Connacht aren't unhappy where they are no, no, and and I, I think the yellow card was a factor. I think kind of were beginning to struggle at that stage, and that gave them that you know breath of fresh air they needed to get be able to go at Leinster and not have to defend as much. You know, can I get your take on that quickly? Because a couple of weeks ago, when the last time we were all on, we spoke about this black card or twenty minute red card. Yeah. and would this be a, a, a kind of a prime example of? of yeah, of an example yeah absolutely. Of I mean, um, world rugby are, are tying themselves in knots here because the, yeah. the head of world rugby came out last week and said, oh. All these things will change. Players will learn. We're confident all the cards will drop. And he came up yesterday and said, oh, we have to start thinking about 20-minute yellow card. So he's yeah. done a 180 in a week. So and now he's me, been cited as well. So Gibson Park, like, it looked as if the referee went through all the protocols. It could have gone either way. Right? Mm. I think the ref actually, to be fair, did the right thing. He looked at it in real time as well, which often when we slow these down, they look bad. They look mm. worse. Um, and people saying, oh, Marmion had a bloody nose. Well, you can't give a yellow card if somebody has a bloody nose in a rugby match. <laughs> you know, I mean, nobody left on the field. Like, it's like, you can't, you know. It, it, so my point was, I think the referee got it right. He said, look, there was contact at the head. But Gibson Park didn't initiate 
the contact by stepping up into the tackle. Yeah. And in that case, so if he pulled out a red, you would have said that's an extremely harsh red card. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And he gave a yellow, you say he's lucky to get a yellow. <laughs> and there are going to be those grey areas. Yes, yes. We, you spoke about that. And yeah, you, you've got to live with yeah. that. You've got to live with that. And I think maybe in that scenario, if it was a case we had a black card, he could have pulled out a black card and said, look, you're gone for 20 and you find somebody else to replace yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. That might be fairer, but like, like I think they need to get their hands on this because despite what they're saying, that this will work itself out, it's not working itself out. And we said last week, the, it, the game, they're not guys running around. And I can guarantee you that tackle from Gibson Park was a complete accident. Gibson yeah. Park did not go out to hit Kier, no, Kier Marmion in yeah. the face. Yeah. No, there was a, one of the weekend where, where the, 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 the poker in France, like, guy out in the air. Oh, yeah. yeah that was shocking. That's a red card. And, 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 and it's a yellow card, and it's a black Stand card. Well, say, yeah. together, you know? <laughs> like, this guy has a rap sheet the length of your arm, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But then here's the earning. He got 11 weeks for that, mm. like, which is ludicrous, because 12 weeks was the, the top that they could give him. They dropped it to 10 because he kind of said, oh, I'm sorry. And then they bumped it up another one because of his rap sheet. Like yeah, this guy's yeah. a serial offender. Like again, there, there, there's mixed messages coming from the top as well. How they're dealing with this, and there's another horrendous one. Um, a, a player taken out after making a pass. I think it was Breve. Uh, oh yeah. A player came across. Like if you did it in the street, you'd be in jail. Like yeah. it was, a, it was a complete assault on the guy. It was a high tackle in the in the head. You know. So the, the problem they have as well is they're not dealing with the real cases strictly enough. Like yeah. there's guys doing really bad things. And getting, you know, fairly lenient sentences first. So yeah. I, I think it's still a mess. And let's be honest, it's still a mess. And the problem is, let's hope that games aren't skewed or, or twisted or badly, you know, bad outcomes in games this week because of some, you know, minor infringements or an infringement that could go either way and it changes the game. But I think it's something where Robbie have to get their, their, their hands around quickly. And I understand why they're trying to fix this because the concussion thing, and the safety is paramount, yeah, yeah, but they're yeah. not they're not getting it done at the moment. And it's a bit like World Rugby tend to work like a fire brigade. They go around putting out fires. Yeah, know, yeah. No, I mean, it, of things. It, it's a funny one because even deciding for Gibson Park and then to pass it. I mean, was mm. it necessary to be cited? Who did who cited him? And then the they... site commissioner. What was he looking at? And then it gets thrown out. Yeah. So I mean, the irony of it all is that the giveaway was Andy Friend to his credit. Yeah, said yeah. after the game, I don't yes, think yes, that's yes. a race. Exactly. You know, he did, like, yeah. So, yeah. like, and credit to Andy Friend for saying that, but he was probably, he's a straight up honest guy. And he said, Look, I don't think that's a race. Because he would put himself in a position where if that was Pierre Marion, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah, care yeah. Marion getting a race. And the coaches are smart enough like that, you know, that if we turn this into tip rugby, what are we, where are we going, you know? Yeah. The, the head of the URC, uh, officials, Tapa Henning, he's doing some press next week. So, he, he yeah. I guess he'll be question about this or mm. how much how together everyone is i'm looking forward to that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay very good listen then for the connacht is live on rt2fm on friday at 5 30 munster v exeter there'll be updates on saturday sport on rt radio one and ulster v toulouse will have live coverage on rt radio one that's an eight o'clock kickoff on saturday evening today i want to say thanks again to fiona and eddie for joining us on the podcast hope you enjoyed it and we'll chat you next week the RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com.